Welcome to Pool and Company's first edition of the Pool Podcast. Today we have Phil Amthor. Phil is a, a development associate at Orchestra Partners, and we will be talking today about a number of projects that Phil and I have worked together on in the city of Birmingham and uh, talk about our past relationship as well as our existing relationship working on projects and the development within the city of Birmingham. This is an interesting way to talk with you. Uh, We usually are uh, working on projects together uh, at Orchestra Partners. But let's talk about, uh, you know, Phil Amthor, why he's in Birmingham, what he's been doing, how did we we meet? I met you in 2007. Yeah, I was an intern. I was finishing up my planning degree. Uh, I was basically done with architecture at Auburn. At Auburn. Yep, and there I was in the office uh, kind of taking on a project too big for me. And I remember uh, it was – you were uh, nicer to me than some of the other <laughs> partners at this previous don't, place. Don't spread that around. <laughs> I was – and, of course, I was doing planning then, so I was, uh, I was full on trying to get into that kind of world. Right. And I think I knew I wanted to be a developer then – and that was 2007, so the world hadn't really ended yet. No, it was about to end. It was about to end. I just didn't end. know it yet. And so when I actually graduated and got my degree in 2008, it had ended. Yeah, perfect timing. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible timing. So yeah, I'm from Birmingham, yep. grew up in Hoover. I think my worldview kind of comes from that. It was Hoover was built by developers. There's basically one architecturally significant building there. In a, in a giant sprawling suburb of, of Birmingham. Yeah. And so I felt like if I ever wanted to have any kind of impact, even if architecture was kind of where my heart was, I wanted to design things, uh, you had to be a developer really to, to really make the influence. Because the developer is going to come to any architect in a place like Hoover already knowing what they want, basically. Yeah. And so your sphere of influence is pretty small. So hence development. Right. But if you graduate school in 2008, what are you going to do? No, no development. So I... Finally landed at the Regional Planning Commission of Greater Birmingham. Yeah, RPC. And that was a fantastic exposure. Um, that actually got me into some civic work that I spent five, six, seven years on, which was the Land Bank Authority, where I was basically doing the opposite of building and designing things. It was tax delinquent, abandoned, blighted property, right. which is a huge problem for Birmingham. And you, so you moved from RPC to the city of Birmingham to do that work. Is that right? right? Right. So it was about about four years at RPC, yeah. and then I did four years at the city launching the Land Bank Authority, which helps deal with all the red tape that's around blighted, abandoned, tax delinquent property. Tries to get it back on the tax rolls, back into the hands of a neighbor, someone who wants to build a house. It was a trial by fire. It was So other large cities in the southeast have had land banks at that time? Not really. Atlanta... Um, and New Orleans didn't even have one. They had something similar because of Katrina, and yep. people left and just didn't come back. So they had a bunch of abandoned property. But it's so, really it's a Rust Belt city problem. And Birmingham is somewhat unique, being a Rust Belt city in the south. In the south, it's not Cleveland, right? Or that whole you know the where the Rust Belt actually is. It's, right. It's, so it's I suspect the rest of the country thinks of Alabama as a more uh, uh, agrarian society, but Birmingham actually has this really unique history that mm-hmm. most of us here understand and actually find um, quite remarkable. Yeah, we're unique 
uh, to the South. We're unique to the state in general. And so, I mean, that's part of why it took so long to get a land bank going is because we're, we're in a rural state yeah. dominated by relatively rural interests at the congre- you know, state congressional level. Yep. And then, you know, here we are, an urban Rust Belt city yeah. <laughs> trying to have a post-industrial re- you know, renaissance. Yep. And that there's just friction there when sure. you're at odds. So. So, you know, Birmingham, as we both know, has uh, been in this uh, development renaissance for the last, what, eight years-ish? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do, is there a relationship there? It did, it was the land bank, you know, sort of understanding or seeing that opportunity? I wish I could claim that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I want to give you as much credit as I can. <laughs> the land bank is necessary to a renaissance in our neighborhoods, okay, uh, preserving housing choice yep. for folks who are there as renters and rewarding folks who are there as owners mm-hmm. so that we can make sure that they realize the benefits of any revitalization that comes, any inflow of capital that comes. You know, we've, we've made sure that the policy is in place, that the folks who are there... So that... Uh, you know, gain, you know, right. gain, that they're the winners. That so that dovetails pretty nicely into Woodfin's 99 neighborhood um, uh, initiatives, right? I mean, I know it wasn't done with Woodfin, the land bank work, but does is there, was that groundwork, you know, helpful to Woodfin? I think absolutely. Uh, there was a lot of research done on best practices. How do you, a land bank's not a silver bullet. It's not a panacea. Yeah. You need demolition. You need code enforcement. Uh, you need, um human capital types of financial education, and you need uh, investment straight up. You need need to be able to concentrate those things in the same place at the same time. So there's a lot of best practices research done uh, under Mayor Bell, who I worked for, that um, Mayor Woodfin hopefully has taken advantage of. Yeah. So you you do the land bank thing. That's ragingly successful. not quite. We wish, <laughs> but uh, but then but then you know the world's changed. Yep. Uh, the economy's better. Um, it's not a fight anymore to try to get people to be downtown to go to restaurants. I mean, yep. you know uh, the restaurant scene down here is incredible. We've had the uh, the privilege to work for some of the best restaurant tours here in in the city, uh, and uh, especially along the Second Avenue North corridor, uh, Entertainment District. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's all it all comes hand in glove. I think it all comes together, right? I mean, it's all of these initiatives working simultaneously, with or without the knowledge of each other. Um, sometimes planned, sometimes through kismet that uh, brings brings this uh, what I think Birmingham's unique uh, style and urbanity you know, or derived from, you know, you kind of, you touched on something there. We've got a whole lot of uh, single points of interest in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. We have very few districts, although second Avenue is now a district through no planning help, but just the restaurants happen to be there. Yeah. Through sheer force of will, sheer force of will, right. By, by the entrepreneurial restaurateurs, yeah. right. Who in the face of incredible odds mm-hmm. were able to um, figure out how to be successful in Birmingham's downtown market. I find it phenomenal like those yeah. people make me want to want to cry yeah because they put their their homes into mortgages and double mortgages and their families you know threw money at them and everybody was on the hook mm-hmm. to figure out how to financially um get into these projects on second avenue north and other places in the city i mean mm-hmm. i some of these people were my personal friends i know how difficult it was for them mm-hmm. and what 
how scared they were to put all those finances into something that's like, huh, it's, you know, I'm rolling some dice here, yeah. right? You know, th- while that's blossoming, it's blossoming in different parts of the city, not connected in any kind of like overt planning way. We don't in the South, we don't in Birmingham, we certainly don't in Alabama have any kind of like tradition of, you know, public sector led planning efforts that end up in, you know, and it's, it's more of this kind of like entrepreneurial led thing. So, you know, so with orchestra partners, who you work for now, where I am now, uh, and where I love what we do, uh, you know, our mission is to connect the city, connect it to itself, connect it to like connect. When you say connect, what does that mean? Well, sir, in, in all things, I mean, if we have a vibrant, you know, local economy, then we're a better place in terms of being connected to the global economy. So yeah. at that scale, sure. Right. But really um, connect these disparate um, assets that we have that are growing or developing or that have been in place for a long time. Mm-hmm. Five points is one that's been in place for a long time. We're invested there to strengthen it. Uh, Parkside is, you know, basically only just now kind of getting its feet under it mm-hmm. as a district. So we're invested there heavily yep. um, to, to grow it. But how do you connect all these things together, Second Avenue, but then connect outside of downtown? Yep. I think that's really the big thing is how do we connect outside of downtown and tie all our neighborhoods together? We're a city of neighborhoods. So um, I think it's fair to say we're a mission-driven developer. Yep, And so that's – that's where this starts to get exciting is these these pockets that are wonderful. How do you have how do you have an urban network? Yeah. How do you how do you I mean, I think I got this from you. The string of pearls. Yeah. You know, the string being the network and the pearls being these nodes where there's, you know, good real estate, good architecture, good right. design, good, you know, entrepreneurs, um, you know, the vibrant like local feel. Who are some of the other um, organizations or what are some of the other organizations that you're working together with to, you know, help string the pearls together? I mean, the, the entrepreneurs are the big thing. You can brand a development. Uh, yeah. you, can, you can hire the best architects. Um, you can have all the support in the world of Rev and the city of Birmingham. You can do all these things. Uh, but the entrepreneurs are the people, are, that's the reason people are coming to, coming there. Because yep. you can go to the essential, you can come to uh, Pilcrow, Cayo Coco at Founder Station. I mean, those are right. incredible places. All sure. three, and they're right there. What a destination, right? You know, at, at Five Points Lane, we have invested ourselves in two concepts there. So McFly's and Unplugged. Right. Um, are not just tenants. Yeah. And so it's another strategy orchestra commits to, which is if we have a concept and there's not an entrepreneur in that space, we'll do it. Yep. Because the city needs it. Right. So that's what McFly's and Unplugged do at at Five Points Lane, that's what we felt like, you know, Five Points as a district needed. Right. So you mentioned Founder Station, a project that I worked on uh, heavily with orchestra partners before you arrived there. Um, Five Points Lane and and then uh, the uh, Parkside, which is actually the Urban Supply District, another another development of, of orchestra partners that Pool & Company has been able to, to um, be a partner on with you guys. And... All of those projects have a have a, a common theme in my mind. Well, there's there's a historic fabric in place that's a hundred percent a part of what we do. But then there's the the semblance of a district. So it's not just one investment; it's buying multiple buildings at a time. So Five Points Lane, uh, we've got four different 
actual buildings, right. many more tenant spaces than that. But the building that Warworth is in, then the building that we worked on, Five Points Lane, where we created the the alley connection from the street back to the courtyard, and then the mm-hmm. building next to it, right, the, where the tattoo shop is. Right, and where Waffle House is in the bottom floor. Yeah. Oh, and then that, the building on the corner. That's the studio right. arts floor, which yeah. um, which has a, a top floor that's still still yeah. open. <laughs> that's st- and yeah, waiting and on on a good. The old uh, folks in Birmingham will remember that where Waffle House is was the original Joe Bar, right? Which is a, a historic uh, landmark for some. So so aggregating those buildings together in an effort to have a larger thumbprint or yeah, fingerprint, reinforce the district. Yeah. You know. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Yep. That's that's one hundred percent it. Uh, and, but but using historic fabric, yep. You know, uh, restoring it, preserving it. I think probably what you're get. Tell me if if I'm right here. Yeah. What you're getting at is that there is a pedestrian specific um, space yeah. that cars may or may not be able to right. to be in, but it's something that it's primary for the pedestrian. So it feels like the classic street scene where you get the kind of plaza-like atmosphere that yeah. you love in every city in Europe sure. or in the Northeast, right? What made Founder Station an, an incredible project in my mind um, was not only the aggregation of those buildings together, which was really tricky from a code standpoint and jurisdictional issues. I mean, the list goes on and on. Not easy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. these historic buildings, although the fabric of them and the structure is really wonderful to work with, um, by no means should anyone think that it's an easy thing to do, right? right. These these are hard projects to, to get um, to bring together. But that connection from First Avenue North to Morris Avenue vis-a-vis the property, as opposed to having to go down 20th and go through the, you know, the parking lot archway, mm-hmm. I think was, was a genius move. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to say that I came up with that on my own. I didn't. Um, but, I, but we embellished that idea mm-hmm. by creating a pedestrian way that not only incorporates people, but also the, the cars that have to park there as a result of the tenants needing parking. Um, and then we, the, that, uh, the, the vision was to create the, that connection to create a, a connection for really from from the heavy corner up first down to Morris, which never existed mm-hmm. and needed to. Right, mm-hmm. we needed to be able to circumvent um, that 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 block in an effort to create that connection to Morris to help Morris thrive. And ultimately, that has been successful. The essential faces uh, Morris and the plaza. Uh, and I don't think anybody ever thought that that would have been uh, a, a space that you'd want to put a restaurant in because Morris didn't have that MO. And now uh, Kristen's got one of the, the, the mm-hmm. nicest restaurants on Morris. You know, yeah. I'm not trying to disparage Kerrigan's. He actually was the uh, – David was actually the, uh, the pioneer mm-hmm. of that all the way at the other end. You know? right. So kudos to David for having that incredible vision as well. But I think this project um, helped to string that pearl together uh, in a way that wouldn't have happened without Founder Station. Same thing with Five Points Lane, right? The, the idea of creating the lane connection from the courtyard in the back, which was really just a, a crappy parking lot with a dumpster in it, mm-hmm. um, to the vibrant street edge um, of Five Points Lane uh, was genius, right? So what do we do? We took down 10 feet uh, by 70 feet of building in an effort to create that connection, another pedestrian-only um, via. Yeah, so for anyone who hasn't been to five points lane but who listens to this i hope they do go check that out because it's it's definitely unique and there's potential for it to keep going right um to connect to yeah, talk about that. To connect to jim and nicks and yeah. just other like just really unique pedestrian experience it's 
you know, besides other orchestra projects, there's not too many of them out in the city. Um, but what's also interesting is that that actually wasn't a real building. I mean, it had, it had a facade facing right. 20th Street, and it had a roof. I guess it had a back wall facing the alley. Right. But it wasn't... It, originally, it actually was a space between the buildings. That's like, right. So, yeah, so it was an infill that then... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it served its purpose. Um, I'm probably telling on myself a few things here, but you know, that was a pool hall <laughs> for a long time, um, the, bu- the big building. And uh-huh. then the little strip was, was just uh, you know, like a place where you could get fried food at 5 o'clock in the morning <laughs> if you wanted to. I forget what it was called. Do you remember what it was called? Um, but, uh, yeah, so anyway, I mean, yep. it served its purpose, yep. uh, and it was a landmark, really, for, for Five Points. Mm-hmm. And so fantastic opportunity to adaptively reuse that and, and remember, actually re-remember um, the historical nature of that particular piece of property and its yeah. relationship to Five Points. Yeah, so, I mean, as, you know, people interested in architecture and urbanism and the urban fabric, right, there's a balance between keeping the life in the public realm on the street itself, the public right-of-way. There's always, a, there's always that debate. There's always that debate, right. right? But what we did by making that interior pedestrian lane at Five Points Lane is um, it's, it's its original condition. It's re- and it, it created another retail opportunity for, uh, for, a, th- for a fourth uh, tenant, right? Under the, yeah, fourth tenant mm-hmm. that wouldn't have existed without, without the lane opportunity, right? Yeah, it's a fantastic place to get coffee. Uh, domestic, those guys are great. Yeah, um, that's where I go get coffee after I drop my daughter off at daycare. Uh, in Five Points, actually, yeah. I go there all the time. Well, and the weather's perfect right now. People ought to be over there having mm-hmm. coffee and, and taking advantage of, of that situation for sure. Not to mention it's outdoor dining. We've got this hundred thousand square foot uh, animal that you guys have taken on that the pulling company's helping you out with. Um, similar ideas, right? At a much at a much larger scale. Yep, the urban supply district. So it is. Um, just you know, immediately west of Regents Field, uh, everybody everybody listening to this probably knows about the Good People Alley. Uh, yeah. It's a great place to hang out. Which, by the way, they did on their own against mm-hmm. uh, right again uh, against all odds. Against all odds, yeah. right? Um, and so you know, it's a it's a great space. It's a historic building that they're in, and it's uh, on a block of other historic buildings, and then the block. Immediately west is another block of historic buildings. And so we're saving those and taking what they've done and continuing it all the way west to 12th Street. So, and so by that I mean the pedestrian alley. Right, so that'll go from 14th in mm-hmm. front of the, the switch yard, which mm-hmm. is at the baseball park, all the way to 12th, uh, uh, ending at the uh, cement plant um, slash denim property. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, that that district, this is a mouthful, but it's historically called the Birmingham Wholesale Warehouse Loop District. Okay. <laughs> We're not sticking with that? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, we had a tough time incorporating that into our branding, but um, all those buildings there, they, uh, they're, they're mid-century warehouse buildings. Yep. And, I mean, they supplied the dry goods, the canned goods, the, you know, flour, corn, nuts, you know, baking soda. They supplied that to the city. Yeah. Um, they came off the rail and the trucks left from there to everywhere else. And so it supplied a growing urban populace. It was a distribution center, right, or a hub. It was. And yeah. now there's, you know, over a thousand new residential units 
coming in surrounding that. People don't, I don't think a lot of people really understand the significance of that. Right. A thousand beds. Right. Yeah, right there. Yeah. We're all within a quarter mile of each other. A thousand new beds. A thousand I mean, it's going to be it's going to be over that in terms of what it is as a neighborhood. It's springing up out of the ground right now. Yeah. Uh, and and what are they a lot of it's new construction, so a lot of historic fabrics being gone, so being taken away. So we're preserving it. Yep. And then it's just this mass concentration of opportunities for all of those uh, for that neighborhood. And yep. so, we, you know, we call it the, li- it's the living room. Yep. But it's also, it's, it's urban supply. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of the same thing, but now 50, 60 years later. Right. It's just a, a reconceptualization of, of, um, of being a distribution center to supply mm-hmm. the um, growing residential fabric. Right. Mm-hmm. But it is the Western anchor of the Parkside district yep. as a whole. Right. So if you have this vibrant, um, you know, pearl, in the string of pearls that's right there, that's urban supply, then hopefully the steam plant um, becomes the next pearl right. on the string. And then there's Rotary Trail, and there's just new project after new project after new project. Yeah, popping I mean, you up can't open there. up the BBJ uh, any day of the week, and, and you'll find a project that's happening along um, the, the Rotary Trail, right, or, or immediately adjacent to or within a, a spitting distance of it. Which is now in, in a capital campaign to be extended to Avondale. Yes. Which right. continue, needs to continue to expand through to Crestwood, where I live, to Woodlawn. To Woodlawn, to uh, Eastlake. To Eastlake. There's I mean, a new restaurant that just opened up in Eastlake. I saw that uh, uh, recently in BBJ. That. I just I applaud these, these little entrepreneurs um, who are taking a flyer um, and and really um, committing you know mm-hmm. to to being a small business in Birmingham. I may have to plug my wife. She she's another one of those uh, little uh, people who got, got four hundred and thirty two square feet on Second Avenue North in a chocolate shop called Chocolata. I mean, and it's been ragingly successful. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? Right? I mean, it, it it needs to happen, and it's phenomenal that it is happening. Um, I, I say, how does that happen? Because I think the odds are against these folks, quite frankly. And so um, when they are succeed, uh, it needs to be applauded by everybody. One of the things that I want to harp on a little bit is this. You said it, and we've talked about it, but I want to talk about it again, that you don't do these things alone, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you didn't do Rotary Trail, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, and, and you didn't do uh, Railroad Park, and you didn't do the baseball park. But all of these pieces, which were um, uh, parts of other developments by other um, private developers in concert with the city, saw and had vision. And it's, it's you know, you have to be uh, understand that capitalizing on that which came before you is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And that now you're part of a community of people uh, or, and or developers and designers, architects, et cetera, that are, are seeing the opportunity to string all those pieces together. Mm-hmm. I, I find that to be incredibly remarkable, and I also find that Orchestra Partners uh, understands that uh, it's not a one-off development, figuring out how to take advantage of a certain unique market situation. Now, granted, that's that's going to happen. I mean, it, you, you don't put things in places where you're not trying to take advantage of an opportunity, but at the same time, I see vision for um, going beyond that and not only playing a role in what's happening, but then trying to spur um, potential future development. Talk about that a little bit relative to some of the projects you're considering on the west side of 65. Yeah, you know, 
at a future podcast, I really hope you get John or Hunter, who, yeah. of course, founded Orchestra Partners. And, and they really have that vision. And they could talk about Orchestra Partners, just the name and the analogy and everything that goes along with the, their vision. Yeah. Um, because they truly see partnerships as, as the only way to be successful. That bleeds into everything that we do, everything that you just said. Yeah. Um, and then uh, being partners with the nonprofit community as well, because, of course, it's the Freshwater Land Trust. Yeah, we forgot uh, to mention them earlier as, yeah, as someone you're working with. The help of Rev, and, of course, with the city, too, um, making this public space that's really the string yep. and the string of pearls uh, work and trying to break down this uh, barrier of, of the of 65 right and 65 and 2059 and the railroad tracks and everything that was done to separate us as a city yes and so there are opportunities now west of 65 where we can uh we can make connections yep and uh that's that's what we're you know as excited about as anything mm-hmm. at orchestra right now breaking down those those uh, physical barriers, yeah, that were probably were likely put in place to be barriers on purpose. Not likely. I think it's documented. The interstates, for sure, were yeah. used to to separate. Um, but but west of sixty five, you know, urban supply is right up basically against uh, sixty five, yeah. and it's not a stretch to be able to connect to the Titusville community. Yep. And it's um, you know, there's exciting stuff that Urban Impact is doing um, for the Northwest Quadrant. And, you know, we've got the National Monument designation for the Civil Rights District. Right. And so, my God, if we can get the 16th Street Bridge yes. uh, that changes our skyline, mm-hmm. that really connects north and south, it, it just, right. we need that. Yeah, from, uh, from uh, Morris or First Avenue uh, north over the railroad tracks into the into railroad park. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's, absolutely. The ta- that's the one yeah, you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, that was exactly. um, a vision from about seven, eight years ago, I guess. Yes, it yeah. was. It yeah. was. And it, it needs to keep going. Yeah. It needs to get done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then uh, we, have a, we have a network. Instead of one string, you know, we have a network. And then you know, the Civil Rights District through 65 to Smithfield, which is an incredibly important historic neighborhood along yeah. with uh, the Titusville community. Right. Uh, and then it just keeps going west. And, and we can, um, you know, all of the good stuff that's happening in downtown, everyone gets a chance to take advantage of it. Right. It's not just about everything that's inside of uh, Red Mountain and 31 and 2059 and 65, right? It's not just everything inside that, that uh, wall. It's, um, Absolutely. Yeah. So we talked about a lot there, Phil. Um, you feeling good about, about what you're doing? Yeah, I love it. I love it. This is what I wanted to do coming out of school, but as we talked about in 2008, there's yeah. none of this to be done. So I mean, maybe in some ways it's a blessing because I think orchestra is the right place. Um, it's the right uh, mission-driven kind of uh, mentality that yeah. we have in the office. And uh, I mean, it's where I want to be. This is what I want to be doing. Yeah, well, I think I've finally landed in the place I want to be too. And uh, I'm glad we're doing it together. Uh, mm-hmm. And I look forward to lots of uh, future opportunities to continue to string these pearls together and to um, be part of uniting our community as opposed to dividing it. It's been, it's been awesome. And, uh, you know, back in the day, you were an intern and you were learning from me. And now I think I'm learning, learning more from you than you might learn from me yeah, these I days. I don't know about that. Uh, well, but well said. Um, yeah, many more projects. We want to do this. Good. Thanks for coming by. Appreciate you um, 
kicking this off uh, and being our first guest. And I'm sure we'll have you guys, have you back to talk about some other developments in the future. Good stuff. Thanks, K-Dag. Thanks, man. Enjoyed it. Yep.